0: And now to
1: one of the most heated topics here on Fightback, bike lanes. The Bloor Street lanes were made permanent about a year ago, and now cycling advocates want to have them expanded. Cycle Toronto claims that those lanes are some of the busiest in North America. Right now, they run from Avenue Road to Shaw Street. The group estimates that cyclists made close to one million trips along those lanes between February 2018 and February 2019. And because of that, they are calling on the city to extend the lanes from the Royal Ontario Museum to High Park. Right now, I'm in studio with bicycle advocate, Albert Cole, who is an environmental lawyer and the founder of Bells on Bloor. And on the line, we've got Councillor Stephen Holliday. Welcome to you both. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks, Libby.
3: Thank you.
1: Okay, so uh, first of all, the numbers, a lot of people dispute these numbers and they say Well, whenever I'm near these cycle lanes in bad weather, which we have a lot of the time here, you don't see too many cyclists.
2: Yeah, well, I think if we... uh you know look out the road here and through your window there's not a car there right now uh, so so often I think we we make these uh, observations, but we've tried to do it a bit more scientifically and uh, when we did a count uh, last year over a period of five days, we found there were actually up to six thousand on so six thousand cyclists per day, so we're talking forty thousand a week and uh it isn't um sort of a You know, a fair weather activity anymore, even this uh, winter, which was actually pretty mild December and January, you know, we'd have over 1,500 cyclists a day. So we're still seeing that uh, in the wintertime that people are, you know, uh, cycling through the year. And if they have bike lanes, they feel a lot safer because it's not a question of trying to find a space with all the snow piled up on the curb. So over the last, you know, over the last month, I'm sure the numbers have been a bit down because you've got a lot of ice on the road. But uh, otherwise, we see that uh, cycling is now a a year-round uh, activity. Obviously, uh, when the weather's nicer, we're going to get more cyclists.
1: Councillor Holliday, do these numbers uh, make the case for expanding the Bloor Street bike lanes?
3: Well, I think it's more about politics than anything else. I think it always has been that way. Um, we've had this fight you know, several times at council, and uh, I've got a very strong position on it. And uh, you know, I, I have to differ regardless of uh, how the math was extrapolated or the counts were used to pitch a case. Whenever I'm down there, what I see are bumper-to-bumper cars, and I see the odd bike go by. Um, I think I was last on that stretch of Bloor Street about two weeks ago when the subway broke down, and I walked, uh, walked for a little while to try to bypass the, the uh, subway snarl, and I think I saw two cyclists in that span, and that was rush hour.
1: Well, that was, again, uh, what Albert was saying. That was two weeks ago when we still had a lot of ice on the road.
3: Yeah, but I, I think with these things, is we have to recognize that the big thing with the Bloor Street bike lanes was that it was the conversion of live travel lanes into dedicated cycling infrastructure. So it reduced the road capacity for cars for both uh, the throughput and for parking. And so that was, you know, the big public policy question. But that condition exists 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. And, uh, you know, I appreciate there there are peak periods where there's a lot of people using the roads, cars, cyclists, and pedestrians. But that condition remains. And my biggest uh, concern with this was... Bloor Street is a really important route in and out of the city if you uh, live on the outskirts like myself or my constituents. And uh, as that road becomes a less viable option for automobile travel, which a lot of people still use, uh, you know, it starts to disconnect people from the inner core of the city, and that's why I worry about it.
1: Okay, I'm going to give the numbers out again. I'd like to hear from our audience how would you like more bike lanes on Bloor? The numbers to call 416 360 0740. Toll free 1 866 740 4740. And Albert, how do you respond to what Stephen is saying?
2: Well, there are a couple of obvious things there. I mean, the thing he hasn't, uh, Stephen hasn't mentioned is a subway. So, so we, we tend to react to what we see. So we see these bumper to bumper cars, and yet underneath those cars, there are 1,000 people in each subway train. So we're moving a massive number of people in the subway train but they don't get nearly enough as the same attention because we're not seeing them probably a mistake we made is putting the the cars above ground so we react to that a second thing is that i mean our city is changing and it has changed so in recent polls we've seen that 59 percent of people in toronto this is in toronto uh, say that they're primary mode, or they identify cycling, walking, and transit as their primary mode. Uh, so I think our city policy needs to change to reflect that, that more people are, are walking, cycling, and uh, and uh, taking transit. We need to make it safe for them. Our city does have a Vision Zero road safety plan. Last year, sadly, um, five cyclists were killed. That's That number has not been exceeded since amalgamation in 1998. Uh, So this city has a Vision Zero road safety plan that includes uh, bike lanes, and yet uh, we're seeing these sorts of uh, numbers, not only deaths, but of course uh, people that uh, have lost uh, limbs, have been seriously injured, will carry lifelong injuries. Uh, We say as a city we care about that. We need to uh, reflect that in what we do.
1: Interesting. One of the objections that I heard is just why on Bloor Street, which is such an important artery, there are bike lanes on Harvard, which is just a few blocks south. Why not just continue those? Uh, Stephen, do you what do you make of that? Well, that had
3: been one of the uh, criticisms at the time when the, the original segment of Bloor was looked at. You know, they, they were. Uh, established cycling routes, you know, hundreds of meters both to the north and the south. And so, you know, why yet another one? Um, but I don't know. I, I guess I never really got a good answer to that other than, you know, Bloor was a really desired route, uh, for everybody. And so let's, uh, you know, close those lanes off and, and convert them over. Uh, and, you know, I, I have no doubt that on, on a nice sunny day, it, it is a popular route. But, uh, I, I tend to, put a 365-day test to this, and, uh, and you know, I've reached my conclusions based on that and, and based on the observations that I've had the opportunity to make is that there's still a lot of cars out there, and uh, the answer to the other side of the equation is, is where do they go, uh, and there is no answer to that other than stay home sometimes, and that's the disappointing part I find
2: or take a bike of course i mean that that's an option for a lot of people that live along bluer street but and that's everyone. the option we give to them when we put make it yeah. safe so what we saw when we put in the Bloor bike lane, a surge in the number of cyclists. These are people that might have been in cars, might have been on transit, might have been on foot, and now all of a sudden it's safe for them. So we've known for 40 years that cyclists are going to be on arterial roads because they're going to the same place as motorists. So some people still have this idea that cyclists are just out for a ride. No, they're going to work, they're going to school, they're going to shopping. And the reason, and we've known this, as I say, for at least 40 years in city reports, cyclists prefer arterial roads because they're direct, because they have attractive destinations and because they're convenient. So cyclists, whether or not there's a bike lane on there, which makes it safe, they're going to be on those arterial routes. Uh,
1: Councillor Holliday, what is your take on the lay of the land in City Council? Do you think this is likely to happen? When might it be likely to get passed?
3: Oh, I, I'm uh, fairly certain the politics are uh, supportive of this type of change. I mean, we it's not like it's the first step. Uh, this is a step among many. Um, you know, we look at things like the King Street pilot. We've talked about that before. Those are multiple steps. And I always go back to the, uh, the little antidote when we approved that particular project. Um, even though I didn't support it, Council approved it. And some of the off-microphone comments were fantastic. What a good start. Can't wait to do more. And I know during the the Bloor Street bike lane uh, pilot discussion, you know, that was the other off-camera type of discussion for my colleagues was, you know, look, we look forward to extending these things right out to... Um, the east and west borders of the city, and uh, because uh, we really like bluer and we want to see it all change, um, so uh, you know I think this is just going to uh, continue to grow over time. There's no question about that. Uh, the question is, is the pace at which it's going to change, and that all depends on the politics of the council. And I think that's where we are right now with this council.
1: And and where do you read the politics of the council?
3: Well, I, I think uh, at least uh, in the in the inner city, uh, you know, very supportive of this uh you know it was interesting we had a uh, a discussion out in the west end um around uh, the bluer west village area and uh it was quite divisive and it wasn't necessarily a direct discussion on bike lanes it was about the streetscape and the official plan And uh, I do remember the shopkeepers coming out to Etobicoke, York, Community Council at the time and saying, you know, look, we're okay with a lot of planning stuff in this discussion, but we're not happy with the notion that's buried in this report about the future of bike lanes. We're really worried about our business and the viability of our area. So I think as you move out of the core, you may find uh, this to be a more divisive political issue. But for the time being, in the the segment under discussion, uh, I think the politics are tilted in favor of approval of it at some point.
2: Yeah, well, we're as cyclists. Of course, we're uh, big supporters of local business because uh, we're much closer than uh, than uh, motorists who have the option to go to uh, suburban areas or malls. But uh, one of the interesting findings of the Plur study was that they found that ten percent of uh, shoppers arrive by uh, by uh, transit, walking, or cycling. In other words, ninety percent, only ten percent by car. But yet. The merchants, 50% of them, arrived by car. So I had an interesting discussion recently with a merchant, and I said to the person it was at a variety store, wouldn't it be great if the area parking area in front of your store was a 30-minute parking so more people could come into your store? And the merchant said to me, uh, "Well, that's my car, and it had been parked there for three hours." So, so I think we need to do a better job in trying to divert merchants into spaces that aren't thwarting uh, their customers uh, from parking. Uh, well, in, I, and don't, I don't
1: know how how <laughs> widespread that that would be.
2: Well, fifty percent of uh, merchants, though.
1: Okay, let's hear from Charles in Dufferin County. Hi there.
3: Hello. My name is Charles. Oh. I uh, I'm uh, eighty-two years old now, but uh, I used to bicycle on Brewer Street from west of High Park to east of the Don Valley uh, uh, with my younger brother when I was about 12.
1: That was a while ago.
3: <laughs> it was a while ago. Uh, there were streetcars. We were driving and we were bicycling in rush hour and nobody bothered us. I think your big problem is speeding. I don't think anything else needs to be done about that road. Leave it the way it is.
1: Okay, Charles, thanks for that. Okay, uh, well, uh, I think uh, that the streets are a lot busier than they were 70 years ago.
2: Yeah. Well, well, there's certainly, uh, that's, there's no doubt about that. But uh, the question is, as a city moving forward, uh, what are we going to have space for? So we know we've got more people using the same spaces, we also know what takes the most uh, space, and those are single-occupant cars, which then require a lot of parking. Uh, So we're simply saying, um, let's focus on walking, cycling, and transit as our priorities as a a city, because that's what more and more people are actually, that's what they're moving towards. We know we've got a lot of uh, new people moving into the downtown and other places. Let's make it safe for them and convenient to do those things, walk, cycle, and take transit.
3: Uh, Libby, I I think that uh, that Robert's... um hit the nail on the head is this is a larger political discussion, and what I mean by that is the politics of the future of our city and the way that people see it. Um, perhaps there's a different time stretch about how far you look into the future, but you know that is the language that you see come up over and over again in the various reports that come to city council is there is this uh, discouragement of the use of the private automobile in favor of other modes and uh, you know that that is where we're going i think in the long haul in the inner core i struggle with the the timing of that i still think uh, the automobile is still a a prevalent mode of travel i still think that uh, there is value in it there are people that still rely on that and it's those people that in in 2019 are finding themselves uh, a a real hard time getting into the city uh, using that particular mode and and maybe they can't shift to another mode and so that is really what this discussion is all about. I think it's less, in my opinion, about cycling and, and safety, although we, we talk about those things. It's just how do you see the inner core? How do you see access into the inner core? And uh, I'm afraid I see it differently than some of my colleagues on council.
1: Well, you know, it, it's interesting as discouraging cars along Bloor Street. You know, recently, uh, you know, I like to go there on the weekends, meet friends, I drive and Recently, one of the big parking lots closed, and if you want to go and meet a friend for lunch, it's going to cost you twenty bucks to park. Well, you know that's a deterrent for taking your car to Bloor Street. I've got to say. Yeah,
2: but although ninety percent of people are arriving by transit, walking, and cycling, so so we understand this is a shift and cha- change is difficult. Uh, but other cities are you know, we're falling behind other cities, whether New York City or Montreal. So, for example, our city put in 8.5 kilometres of bike lanes uh, last year with a $16 million budget. I'm not quite sure how those numbers have worked out, but 8.5 kilometres. The city of Montreal over the last two years has put in 59 kilometres. Uh, so we're really falling behind even what our own bike plan says, and uh, um, that's uh, that's putting us behind what other cities are doing.
3: Yeah, again, it's, it's, it's that discussion of where does one see the city in five years, ten years, 20 years in and- the scary thing is, I think for a lot of people is they see the inner core as then the place for the most privileged or those that are able to afford to drive a vehicle in there or those that, you know, will, are able to take a, a public transit or uh, or a bike or walk or whatever it is, that, whatever mode it is that, uh, you know, that, that makes it down the street. And I don't think everyone agrees with that. I think they begin to feel isolated. They feel it uh, becomes an exclusive zone. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really glad I ride transit into the city. That's how I get there there, but I'm able to. And I think things get a little harder when you're trying to get down for medical appointments or do different things or, you know, visit a friend for dinner. And I think people are starting to shift their opinion and uh, maybe seek entertainment and dining in other parts of the city because it's frankly not worth the hassle. And well, I think that's sad.
1: Well, you know, I've uh, got to tell you, you're, uh, wouldn't you say that that part of town is already an enclave for privileged people? I mean, that's as far as i can see just the way it is
3: yeah I, I mean i don't know i i've been to all sorts of parts of the city and it's not always that way but uh when somebody says look i'm thinking of going downtown for dinner or to catch the game and somebody says you know i think i'll pass it's just not worth the the travel in there or i don't feel like taking uh, public transit today and it's a saturday or whatever it is um you know, it's it's a it's a city that's changing really quickly, and I, I'm not sure that that pace is what um, what is the opinion of those maybe that are on the outside, including the area that I live in.
2: Yeah, well, the interesting thing about cycling is that the most number the greatest number of people who want to cycle are probably in cars or transit because they don't dare go out on the road so so we've seen this in polling where you know up to something like 70 percent of people say yeah if i had a safe route and um if i had a safe route and and a reasonable distance like 20 minutes you can get five six uh, kilometers then i would cycle so most people who are want to cycle don't have the opportunity so so and the second thing sort of answer
1: i don't by that, that much. Yeah. To be honest, I think it might be the kind of thing that people say because they think in their mind they'd like to cycle. I think that people who want to cycle do maybe not every day. I know that, you know, my husband does. I know other people who do. I think it might be like the way people talk about eating healthy and exercising and all that stuff. But it doesn't stuff. explain
2: the surge that we had on, on Bloor Street when we did have uh, the safe bike lane there. And I would say you know, in terms of people that need to drive for the medical appointment that a uh, councillor is mentioning, well, the problem is that we have so many other people in cars that, that we'd like to get on transit out of the way of those people who really have a need to get there uh, That uh, and we don't have that system yet. So we're already uh, quite a ways behind other cities and we're just going to um, fall further behind if we don't uh, make the changes that uh, others are making
1: okay we have less than a minute left Councillor Holliday what would you like to leave us with
3: uh, really only that, uh, you know, these these public policy decisions are tough, and there's lots of layers to them. Um, they, you know, they begin with the, the tactile, the counting of things, and, and the condition and the shape of the road, but it's, yeah, I think it's also a part of how you think about the larger vision of the city over the long term, but I guess what I would like to remind everybody is to constantly reality test things, and to be critical of everything that you see and read, um, and relate it back to your own experience, you know, does, this make sense about what you're seeing is this a change that that you like and uh to get involved with uh local politics to to speak your mind uh, the worst thing is when you have a, a a hearing about these type of things or a community council meeting or a public meeting and nobody says much okay uh, for or against okay
1: uh albert 10 seconds or so
2: we'd love to see the bike lanes go to high park as soon as possible for the safety of of the many people who want to cycle
1: Okay. Thank you both so much. I'm sure this is a conversation that we will be having again soon. Counselor Stephen Holliday and Albert Cole, we appreciate your time.
0: Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.